Hi, this is Jamin Fraser, and you're listening to The Insecurity Project, solving the insecurity problem at a global level. The show is a combination of interviews with experts, authors, speakers, and individuals who've gone on to do amazing things in their life by eradicating insecurity. You'll hear real-life coaching sessions from people who are overcoming insecurity in their life, and you'll hear 10 Minute Tuesday, which is a chance for me to deliver some high-quality personal development content to help you in your own journey. I hope you enjoy the program. Now on to today's show. G'day folks, it's Jamin here. You're on the Insecurity Project and I'm talking with Aaron this morning. This is another live coaching session that you have the privilege of listening into. And I really want to acknowledge, acknowledge Aaron for a level of vulnerability and courage to face up to what's going on in her world, but to invite you to listen to that journey and to find value in that yourself. So, Erin, uh, yeah, thanks for being on the call. And My, I, my pleasure. Yeah, real, real privilege to be able to serve you today. Um, and yeah, because this is a judgment-free space, and, and I don't care, it's not, I'm not the one with the problems, not my life. My only agenda here is to serve you you know, so you can't please me, you can't disappoint me, I don't actually need anything from you. It kind of creates this safe space where we can just dive straight into the real conversation. And and when it's a real conversation, so often it's a transformational conversation. So yeah. with that in mind, let's let's dive in. What's going on in your world right now and uh, what is it that you want to change? Um, so I think I, 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 when I looked at some of the questions that we'd um, you'd, uh, put through to me before coming on board, this, I think it highlighted that I, I, I have, um, you know, one of the questions was, is what is your dream? Now, I sat on that probably for a good 24 hours before I could even answer it because I was like, do you know what? I don't really think I have one. Um, yeah. In terms of I have had them um, and... Yeah, for what you know, for obviously various reasons, I've sort of put them on the shelf or compromised them. Therefore, going forth, I've kind of gone, well, actually, do you know what? What's the point? So I think yep. that was probably the, the first question I actually really, really struggled with. And in the end, I actually lost, I went back and I actually answered some of the other questions first, and then came back to that question. So it was the hardest one for me to actually answer. Oh, and it is the hardest question. It is, without a doubt, the hardest question in the whole world. What do you want? Sounds so simple and sounds so easy, but it's a terribly difficult question. And that's why most people don't ask it, let alone answer it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So go on. You know, what's happening for you at the moment and what specifically would you like to see changed? So I think, for me, I guess I would like some clarity around all of that. You know, what well, what do I want? What what are my dreams? What what do I want to be um, achieving? I guess and um and I think the other thing for me also that came up with it is that I I feel like I have this 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 elusive there's this elusive happiness sort of um that you know if I am really honest that you know I'm happy enough but I'm not bounding out of bed you know. Um, full of energy or really wanting to embrace life and I would like that so it's for me about also being 
you know, I say that, but then there's the other part of it for me is also, you know, is being really fulfilled, um, grateful for everything that I actually do have too because I think so much I'm always searching for something else yeah. um, but not really being happy with what I actually do have. And the thing is, is my life's not terrible, you know. Like if compared to obviously a lot of other people, I know that, yet there's that lack of, for me, that satisfaction, a lack of fulfilment, um, yeah. So it's sort of like, well, for me, it feels like there's something not aligned, you know, in amongst all of that is like, it's almost like on one hand I want something and then on the other hand I don't want it, you know, so it's that, that pull always um, with nice everything. So give it to me as clearly as possible. What would you like to have happen in this 30-minute conversation? I think I'd like to be able to have that clarity around where that misalignment, I guess, is. So um, being able to understand perhaps a little bit better why I'm not feeling fulfilled, why I'm not satisfied, why I'm not content. Yeah, okay, sure. Now, it's interesting how you started that sentence because you said, I think I want clarity, which is <laughs> a really beautiful piece of truth uh, because yeah. you could have clarity. you could have clarity yesterday if you wanted it. Yeah. So, like, I love it when people say, oh, I just would really love some clarity. I just I don't have any clarity. All I want is clarity. I'm like, oh, okay, great. So there must be something really dangerous about this clarity that you seek because you could have had it already if you really wanted it. So yeah. what's so dangerous about having clarity, do you think, that stopped you from already having it? I think it's the truth, isn't it? It's the... Um yeah, because, you know, when you've got clarity, then you can see everything for what it is. <laughs> Whereas if you kind and, of... And then what it, happens? You know, wow, well, then... Well, then you go, I guess you have to step up, you have to own it, you have to be responsible, <laughs> yeah. accountable, all of, of those course. things, and that's all scary. <laughs> yeah. Of course it is, yeah. So yeah. so just just to help you see, you are exactly where you have chosen to be. Yeah. So the moment, yeah. the moment you live in the illusion of no choice... And you say things like, gee, I'd love clarity, but I just can't find clarity. If I had clarity, it would be so good. And so you feel like you're stuck in a place that you haven't chosen to be, that clarity is something outside of you eluding you. Yeah. That, and it's unfair that you don't have clarity. Um, yeah. The moment you, you live with that illusion of no choice, well, then it feels hopeless and you get stuck. So, so the yeah. coaching conversation says, well, let's have an honest conversation because, in fact, mm you are exactly where you have chosen to be, which I'm not saying is a good thing or a bad thing or a right thing or a wrong thing, but yeah. you could have clarity if you want, and part of you is choosing not to have clarity right now, just so you're clear. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And and not having clarity is serving you. It's protecting you from what you're afraid of. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. So what are you afraid of? Well, yeah, I think that was the truth. Um, what about the truth scares you so much? I think again, it is just that is that then I do have to own it, and it's you know it's easier to, to not own it sometimes. Um, yeah, great. And if yeah. you own it and you know what you know and you stop pretending not to know what you know and you do have the clarity that you seek and there are no, now no more excuses for you to actually 
be clear about what it is that you want and what it is that you don't want, then what could go wrong? That I still don't achieve what I want. Ah. Yeah. And if you still didn't achieve what you wanted after having all that clarity and certainty about the truth, what would that mean about you? I guess I'd feel a bit like a failure, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. And if you were to be a failure, because often people think, you know, that that's what they're afraid of. I'm afraid of failing. Um, Taking that one step deeper, though, it's not that failure is the scary thing, it's the implications of failure. If you were a failure, if you were to fail, what does that really say about who you are? Um, well, I guess it, it, you know, for me, then it kind of reflects perhaps on me. I think it feels like, you know, that then I'm not really going about setting my goals. I'm not getting out there trying to achieve everything. I'm not being motivated. I'm being a bit lazy. Um, yeah. Yeah. For sure, so it, it highlights... Yeah, it is. It's all the things sure. that I aspire not to be. It would highlight all of mm. that. Hmm. Yeah. So it's interesting that, you know, underneath what looks like a simple issue around, oh, I just don't have clarity about what I want and um, I'd like clarity around the dream. When you really drill down, part of you is holding back from that so you don't get exposed as lacking. Yeah. Yeah, the stupid thing is is I'm lacking already, aren't I? <laughs> well that that is it, interesting. <laughs> that is that yeah. is the irony of it. Yeah. Which is the interesting yeah. thing about fear is it just it is so irrational. But becomes so real in our mind. Yeah. Um one of the things I love most about these kind of conversations is just the beauty of self awareness and what that gives you. Uh, Eckhart Tolle says that Ego can't operate with awareness. And and likewise, fear struggles to operate with awareness as well. Yeah. yeah. Any idea why I would say that, why fear struggles to operate with awareness? Well, I guess when you're aware of it, then there's just no need to fear it, is it? You know, because I think fear is of, is of the unknown. So when we're aware of something and we, you know, it's like a kid with a monster, isn't it? If they are aware that no, no such thing exists, it takes the fear out of it. Um, well, exactly right. The kid's not afraid of the monster. They're just afraid of the thought there might be a monster. Yeah. And the thought yeah. that there might be a monster creates this monster in their head. Yeah. So the role of a parent is to go, well, let's actually go and have a look and see if there is a monster or not. And if there is a monster, well, then we'll take every necessary action to then protect you from that monster. But if there actually is no monster, then it makes no sense to be afraid of a monster. Yeah. So this is the I interesting the thing. That, is, yeah, the awareness. Thing, you go. Yeah. yeah. Exactly right. So if you are inadequate, well, then, yeah. okay. That if that is the reality of you are, there is lack with you, you are no good, you're not as good as other people, you don't have value, and if that is your truth, okay, well then, and you were to discover that, well then you're going to need to take some necessary action to deal with that reality. 
But if turning the light on and actually looking at are you in fact inadequate, is there lack with you, are you enough, and you discover that 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 fear just exists in my head, well, then the fear dissolves. It's like, isn't that interesting? Yeah. So one of the things I I love to help people do in exposing that fear and tracking through it is to go, um, it's all... It's all based on story. So where did that story begin for you? When was the first time that you told yourself in some way that you were inadequate, that there was some lack with you? Where did that fear begin? Yeah. Have you had any awareness of where that may may have begun? Not anything specific that's coming to me straight away. Um... I'm sure there's that's, that's many, a, many, many instances, I guess, isn't there, really? Um, well, sure, but there, there's always a first time. And, and yes, the reason I yeah. say that is because, try this on and tell me how this feels. If you were to float backward in time and go back all the way to where you began, um, or by the way, where did you begin? Where did I begin? Where did you begin? <laughs> are we talking physically here, or are we talking? <laughs> however, you would, however you would like to answer that question. If you, however, were to, um, if you were to trace back the very beginnings of you, so the very beginnings. Uh, how of me, far? So I, yeah. You how know, far I, back could you go? Well, I mean, I, you know, obviously based on obviously what I was told with by parents and things like that. But I was an unplanned pregnancy. Mum and Dad were, you know, married. Mm, um, yeah. But mum was actually on the pill at the time. So it was one of those, I was a little bit of a surprise. So I think initially, obviously, I caught everybody off guard. But they embraced it and went ahead. But, yes, I know that there is a, for me, you know, is that, that I was the unplanned one, so to speak. So you got That's yeah. interesting. Mm, yeah. That's really interesting. Um, so just just thinking about that, because did you begin there? Did you begin at that point of conception, that point of an unwanted conception? Is that where you began? Or is it possible you began before that? Oh, highly possible I began before that too. Of course, because all that, all the stuff that came together to make you was still somehow in existence before that night of consummation. You existed in some form in the DNA of your parents and in their parents and more than just the DNA that the belief structure and the culture and, you know, you yeah. could trace all the streams that have flowed together into one river to become you. You could trace bits of you back to the beginning of time, if you'd like, yeah. or before then. And interestingly, I, lo- I love reading some of your responses to the questions I gave you to think about this session, is that, um, you know, you've even explored the world of physics to, to unpack uh, how to make change in your life. And so quantum physics... Right. Is this exploration around the fact that all we have is energy, yep. and um, and that energy originated in the stars, believe it or not, and yep. and all matter that is the building block for every cell on Earth originated in chemical explosions in the stars billions of of years ago. Yeah. So there's nothing there's nothing on Earth that that hasn't come from those chemical reactions. Yeah. So you began at the dawn of time. Yeah. And when you began, do you think the story of inadequacy could have been anywhere there? 
Oh, no, I don't think so. Not right back at the beginning. No, because it no of course not. Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't have made any sense to be there. No, there's, yeah. Of course yeah. not. Of course not. There's nothing you could have done to diminish you. You couldn't earn yeah. anything. You couldn't lose anything. You were just there. Just pure energy and light and love and potential. Yeah. Uh, floating around, doing whatever you were doing. So it's interesting, right, because this point of origin is key because there was a time before this story existed for you. Yeah. And at some point, as you journeyed forward in the formation of you becoming flesh and blood and taking on the name Aaron, which is interesting, right, because that name Aaron, and even what's, what's your, um, what's the surname your parents have? Uh, Spears. Spears, so that's your maiden name. So, so Aaron yeah. Spears, that's some interesting sounds. Yes. Right, they're just, it's just a vibration of my vocal cords making some sounds that come out sounding like Aaron Spears, and those yes. sounds have, have become a description of you. Yes. But how, right. but, how could they, but how could those sounds ever describe what it means to be you or who you really are? You've identified yes. with that name. You've identified yeah. with being a spear, being born in an unwanted pregnancy. You've identified as that. But there was a time before that story existed. Yeah, absolutely. Where you were free of that story. And as you floated forward and become you and taken on that name, you've identified with that story. And that story has got inside you and that story has defined you and that story has limited you. But it's just a story. Yeah. I was working with a lady recently when we were having this conversation about origins. And I, I just, because she was like, I have no idea where it started. How could I possibly know, you know? Because um, obviously it starts pretty young for most people. Yes. All the studies around our belief structures suggest that by the time we're seven, we've pretty much made up our mind about almost everything about who we are and how the world works. And so north to seven is some pretty formative years. So I was talking to this lady about where did it begin? She's like, I've got no idea. And I, I helped to ex- understand the fact that, you know, consciously it's very hard to have awareness of where it began because you've only got so much room in your conscious hard drive for information. You know, there's, maybe there's four or five gig in the hard drive, so that's room for a few songs and some videos yeah. and a few different <laughs> files, but you, you couldn't possibly remember every single thing all the no. time. It's just... It would be overload. Um, yet, subconsciously, there's terabytes of storage room. And everything you've ever seen, heard, known, experienced is all catalogued there somewhere. Yeah. So, and being such a, such a significant moment in the history of you, this story, of course, of course your subconscious knows where it began. Yeah. Now, it's probably in you know, in a filing cabinet marked confidential, top secret, you know, in under lock and key, and you're going to need some security clearance to get down there and have a look at that file. Yeah. But, that file but that file exists. Yeah. You, could, yeah. you could see it and could know it when you're ready yeah. for it. And so I, I was explaining this, you know, this idea to this woman and I said, what's coming up for you? She says, I know this is wrong, but I just keep seeing myself in the womb. I'm like, oh, that's really, really fascinating. Um, what's, what's happening? She's like, uh, mum's just told dad she's pregnant and 
dad has lost it. It wasn't supposed to be like this. It's ruined their future. It's created financial pressure. It's changed their plans. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? Yeah, so... <laughs> she, sorry, I was just distracted by a dog come to come to say hello to me. So she's come up, with, she's come up with this, she's come up with this experience of being in the womb, and seeing her parents' reaction, and she's taken on the blame for that. Yeah, she's felt that rejection personally, and said, "I ruined my parents' life. I didn't mean to, but clearly I have. I am the source." of their pain, I'm the reason they eventually separated. I'm the one who brought pressure and tension and stress to their life that they didn't want. It was me. Now, how in the world could you have conscious awareness of being a fetus in a womb? I have no idea. That was what was coming up for her. Yeah. I had no trouble imagining that a fetus is more than just physically connected to their mother. Oh, they uh, okay. have some level yeah. of awareness of the emotions that are going on and the environment they're yeah. being brought into and whether there's happiness or peace or stress. Yeah. So anyway, all that to say, that for her was the origin of this story. From that moment, she decided that she was one who would cause pain and there was a problem with her. And that got inside her and that defined her for the next 35 years of her life. Yeah. And I think Until, in a lot of ways that actually story resonates to me too, honestly. Really? In a lot of ways too, yeah. Because I think, you know, when I look at even that, you know, it's being when you think of being unplanned, you know, that yeah. is almost that, um, you know, there's the expectation there and then something else happens, you know. So for me, almost that comes back to, I think, you know, in terms of when I was saying with my dreams and that is that I have these expectations of how they should, could, would be, but they never turn out yeah. that way. So, you know, for me, I could almost, yeah, you know, kind of see perhaps where that, you know, if I have that thing that everything that I do is unplanned and I'm unplanned and, you know, then Amazing. Yeah. Uh, Amazing. So, Stephen Covey, I think his finest contribution to the realm of human behavioural science is this profound observation that everything is created twice. Have you Mm. come across that idea before? Uh, Yeah, yes, yeah. big believer in all of that sort of stuff so what does that mean to you well yeah i mean there's the destiny don't we we have a destiny and then we have reality i guess um for me that's kind of is that life um and what we have chosen is already written um i believe so that we're just coming into the the world on then on a physical mm-hmm. level and actually learning it and making the choices obviously we have a choice in that but largely you know, um, a lot of it is written um, and we go about doing what we do so we can learn the lessons. Wow, that's a really interesting take on that law. But that's not, because that's not how how Covey would describe it. Okay, yeah. Because there's a key distinction around who the storyteller is. Because mm-hmm. in, in the description that you just gave, who's the storyteller? I guess universe, really, probably in that um, instance. Is, right. Yeah. So yeah. So you have no, you have no choice. It's all fatalistic. Yeah. The story has already been written, and you, you have no choice in that. You just exist within a story. You are an actor in the story. Yeah. And Covey says, well, actually, you're not just an actor in the story. You are the storyteller. Yeah. 
You're the one with yeah. the pen and the paper because by virtue of the fact that you are a human being, you are a sense-making creature. Yeah. We, we go into the world, we have experiences, events, conversations, and our subconscious is always asking and answering two questions. Any idea what those questions are? Um, not off the top of my head, probably who or who am I and what am I doing? Probably some of those sort of things. I well, sure, they're being, they are, are sometimes, but every single experience, event, conversation, our subconscious is asking and answering these two questions. Why did that happen? And what does it mean about me? Yeah, okay. Yeah. We, we must have the answers. And whether you're aware of the answers or not doesn't make any difference. Whether you're aware of the fact you're asking and answering doesn't matter. You still are. Yeah. Yeah. You, we have to have a story. We have to make sense of our life. We have to find meaning. Yeah. That's, that's the creatures we are. That separates us from the animal kingdom. We're storytellers. Yeah. So this is really interesting, right? Because five people who all go through the same experience all tell a different story about what that meant and why it happened. Yes. <laughs> and the quality of the story they tell determines the results they get in their life. Yeah. And I guess that's all based so, in obviously on your values and all that sort of stuff, all that all that stuff that you sort of have set in place, I suppose, what you were saying earlier about the zero to seven years. Well, yeah, but it starts even before that. It starts right at the beginning. You still are making decisions. So that, that child as a fetus is making the decision. What does this mean? Why did this happen and what does this mean about me? Yeah. She's making a choice. Now, what other stories could have been told about that experience as a pre-born fetus in the womb in an unplanned pregnancy? What other stories could have been told? Well, I mean, I guess it could be just, yeah, like a surprise, isn't it? It's, um, And I think that's a funny thing because when I say that, you know, like I've made the, the bit about that I was unplanned because I've never got that feeling like whilst, you know, obviously the story's been told to me, that's yeah. not the version that my parents have as in made it mean, if that makes sense. So I've made it mean... The, from a negative perspective, I guess, um, yeah, because you know they always said it was a, I was a lovely little surprise, regardless of whether I was unplanned or not. Whereas I've chosen to go, oh, I'm unplanned, you know, and grab you that one and run with it, you know. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So yeah. you, so against your parents' feedback, you have told a story. So that's yeah. not the universe telling a story. That's not your parents no. telling a story. That's you. That's you telling a story. You, you are the yeah. storyteller. Yeah. You're the one who's decided why did that happen and what does it mean. Yeah. You are the one. So you're actually not a victim of your experience. No. Yeah, it's still a choice. Yeah. Yeah. You, you have chosen how to respond to what has happened to you. Now, this is this is the thing about you know observing who gets to succeed in life and who doesn't, who finds a way to achieve their dreams and who ends up perpetually disappointed and squashes their dreams. Yeah, you, you, you know, you might look at it and go, oh, "This is unfair." There's no rhyme or reason. It's luck. It's fate. It's chance. That's, well, that's the story some people tell. My observation and Carby's observation is that no, everything is created twice. There's the first creation in the unseen world, by design or by default. By the way, so some people are not aware of where that first creation is happening. Yeah. 
but then the second creation is just a physical manifestation of what has already been created. Yeah. So all that to say, you have an experience of coming into the world and being unplanned. You decide that means in some ways that you were unwanted. Yeah. So that's, that's the first creation moment right there. You're getting the pen and paper out and writing a script for your life, writing a, uh, an identity statement, writing something about who you are. I am unwanted. That becomes a pattern that then you can only live out of. You, you can then only experience that script. That becomes the limiting factor of what you can and can't do in the life in, in your life. Yeah. Hmm. That makes sense. So everything is created twice. So back to this woman who I was coaching when she discovered this moment in the womb. How do you think she changed that? How do you think she changed her second creation results? Like what was happening in her life now? She was probably living exactly that, um, all of living outside of that story. She was living outside, story, but how does reframing what though? What you've made it mean. Exactly. The meaning that you've so she, had to, she, yeah. she, she had to go back to, to that time in the womb. So she floated all the way back and sat with that fetus, had a conversation with that little girl and listened to her pain and heard her confusion and understood her fears and had a conversation about what other stories could be told around that. Yeah. And as an adult, went back and said, well, let me bring a bit of perspective and some objectivity here. Clearly, this has nothing to do with you. Clearly, you were not part of this choice to be conceived. Clearly, you've arrived in this family based on the choices of others. So it's got nothing to do with you. Yeah. This is all your parents. This is all them. Why would you choose to make that something mean something about you? Now, you get to decide what kind of life you'd like to live from here. You get to decide if you want to be a gift or a burden. Yeah. If you want to be a blessing or a curse, if you want to be wanted or unwanted, you get to decide. Just because you made a choice 35 years ago to be the the cause of pain, you chose that, you were the one that wrote that, you were the storyteller, so you can go back. In fact, you're the only one who can go back and rewrite that story and set yourself free from that. Yeah. And she did. Yeah, that's good. It's got awareness, yeah. Uh, when I when I think about lasting change, which is the only only conversations I intend to have, there, like I'm a, have a real problem with band aid strategies or behaviour management or kind of pretending to change or you know, I, I yeah. think, what is it? How does lasting change happen? And I think the best framework I've I've heard around this kind of stuff and, and how it changes you is the four stages of transformation and I regret that I don't even know where these four words came from. Um, so if anyone's listened to this and they know the origin of these four, I'd love to know so I can quote them properly. But the four stages of transformation of this, stage one is acceptance. And specifically, in order to transform your life, you have to accept that all we have is story. So we go into the water and we see evidence and we you know, find patterns show up again and again which in further embeds that evidence in our life and it feels like truth and so it doesn't feel like evidence at all it feels like our reality 
it is what it is. Uh, you know, but transformation starts by going, huh, evidence from evidence. My brain is designed to find evidence for whatever I believe is true. It's all just story. It's all story. All we have is story. And we're all telling different stories. And people succeed or fail in life based on the quality of the stories they tell. So it's a massive first step. And most people will never even get close to accepting all we have is story. It's way too subjective or grey for them. They want true, false, right, wrong, good, bad. They want concrete because it's safer. Stage two is is awareness to go, okay, if all we have is story, what's my specific story? What's the story I've been living out of and where did that story begin? And when was it created? And that awareness, if you want it, it's clearly accessible. Yeah. The moment you have awareness around your specific story and you understand that all we have is story, well, then you get to move on to stage three, which is accountability. And you're only accountable to yourself and you're accountable to yourself in the fact that you have 100% choice and responsibility around that story. Simply because you're not just an actor in the story, you are the storyteller. So upon discovering your story, if you don't like it, you're the only one with the power to change it because you wrote it in the first place. Okay. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? Quite that's incredible. Really, isn't it? When you, when you, oh, well, when simple and hard. Like that, you just go, yeah, that's, yeah, you know what I mean? Like the concept, I think, is really simple. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, and you know, I, often yeah. putting the awareness and all of that sort of stuff and, yeah, you know, getting to that point, I suppose, is where the, the challenge is, isn't it? Of, of course, but it, it, you're right. It's a hundred percent simple, simple and hard, not complicated and unique. Simple and hard. Mm. Yeah. And then having owned accountability, going, I am the storyteller. I can choose. I am responsible. I'm the only one with the power to change this because I'm not incredible in the first place. Then the final stage is adaptation. If you rewrite your story and hold yourself to the story you'd like to live out of, you cannot not experience the fruit of that. Everything's created twice. So as you do new work around first creation in your life, you cannot not experience different second creation. Your behavior is simply a fruit of the beliefs you have and the story you're living out of. Yeah. Mm. How's this all feeling for you? Yeah, no, good. Yeah, like I'm like, ah, oh, yes, okay, I can see <laughs> see how that little story's been going round and round and round and round, um, keeps popping up. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And yeah. how does that relate to not having clarity? Back to where we started. You know, if I'm living where I feel like I'm unwanted and unplanned, then um, you know, every, all my expectations are always going to be really high and. Never then, you know, they're, or they're always going to be unwanted expectations and unplanned. Um, and unmet. So, yeah, that's it. So for me, it's about if I can reframe that and go, well, actually, you know, mm. um, everything is enough and I'm enough and, you know, I am wanted, I am loved, all of those sort of things, then, you know, again, it gives me, the, you know, it puts it back into my court, I suppose, and then the, all those choices are mine. 100%. Yeah, you know, and they are wanted, you know, um, all of those things. Beautiful. You know? 
Oh, because yeah. the people in life, there are some people in life who have high expectations and they get met. There are some people in life who have a compelling vision and a beautiful dream for their life and they find a way to live in that space. Yeah. What must those people believe about themselves? Well, that they are capable of that too, capable that they're enough, that they're deserving of it, all of those things too. They would have to believe that. They yeah. would have to because all the people who don't believe they're enough end up sabotaging their own dreams because they, don't feel, they yeah. feel like they don't even deserve to have them happen anyway. Yeah. So sure, they want them and it'd be lovely, but they, they never accept them. Even when they're right there in front of them, they resist them. There's an internal resistance to even getting what they say they want simply because their story prevents them from taking it. The story they're living out of makes no sense for them to be happy and fulfilled because they don't deserve it and they're not enough. So, of yeah. course, they so keep like falling short. Though. Of course. So, so you can have high expectations for yourself, but with that positive spin on it. Oh, 100%. To desire is human. That's yeah. part of what it means to be a human being, to reach for the stars, to strive, to explore the boundaries of what you're capable of, to have very clear expectations about the kind of relationships you want, the kind of job you like to do, kind of experiences you want to have but not only to have those but to be the kind of person who can step into that reality and experience the fullness of it yeah very few people ever find a way to do that simply because of the story they're living out of yeah I've always looked at expectation I guess as being you know when you've got expectations then it's not necessarily a good thing I suppose I've always sort of looked at that (laughs) yeah well Someone posted on Facebook recently, the best way to not get hurt in relationships is to have no expectations. Yeah. And I went, oh, holy smokes. I mean, that is one way not to get hurt, but it's the most horrible yeah, thing I've not, ever heard. Yeah, and it's not realistic. I wouldn't I wouldn't go to that extreme, but sometimes I think I've always thought that, you know, having too high expectations, yeah, you know. But, yeah. Well, I have very high expectations in my relationships in my life, and there's yeah. no one in my world who treats me poorly because I expect to be treated well. Yeah. And I am very happy to believe that I deserve to be treated well. And so that's what happens in my world. If people who don't treat me well just don't survive. Yeah. They, they don't last as my friends. They don't last in my circle. They just drop out because it makes no sense for them to be there because I know what I deserve. I have no problems occupying that space. That doesn't feel greedy or arrogant. It feels very natural to go, well, it doesn't make sense for you to treat me poorly because... I am a good person and I deserve to be loved. So I'm not yeah. quite sure where, why you didn't get the memo on that, but it's your problem, not mine. Yeah. Oh, good. I like it. Yeah. Mm. Um, okay. So deep conversation, lots of implications. What, what for you is the most important piece of awareness and therefore action to come out of this conversation? Well, I think being able to be aware, so accept and aware, you know, those yeah. two stages, I guess, is that, yeah, you know, for me, obviously, when we have that, for starters, then you can actually do something about it, can't you? Um, Absolutely. True. So, yeah, so I guess, for me, that's probably where the clarity comes in, you know? So, yes, got the right. clarity, because now I know where it started. So, now I can actually right. go, okay, well, how can I change that? How can I reframe it or whatever? Um, look at it differently, yeah. So, the power's back in your hands. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, well, that feels like 
you got what you need and it feels like an okay place to end the conversation. Is there anything else mm. that would make this conversation more complete? No, I don't just to say thank you. I think that would complete it. <laughs> <laughs> well, my absolute pleasure. And if there's any way I can serve you to, to keep on this journey in the future, please let me know. Uh, otherwise, well, thank you for being part of the podcast and for being willing to show up with vulnerability and honesty so that other people, and I'm sure that many people will relate to your journey and your conversation and find great value in it. So thanks again, Erin, and we'll leave the conversation there. You've been listening to The Insecurity Project. If you're interested in finding out more about dealing with your own insecurity, check out the 30-day online Overcoming Insecurity Bootcamp. It combines high-quality frameworks with one-on-one coaching to help you eradicate the fear of not being good enough and give yourself permission to really flourish in life. For more information, check out jaymanfraser.com. 